In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And hi again, everybody. Welcome. In the Booth on ESPN Radio, twitch.tv slash Talk. Good to have you along with us for the ride today. As we near the holidays, a little slower pace, a little break in the action, although the uh, basketball schedule kind of picks up in a way. There was no midweek game last week. The loss uh, Saturday in uh, D.C. against Georgetown. And then uh, Wednesday night there will be a home game in the Dome, 8 o'clock start against Oakland before North Florida comes in on a Saturday. And then another little gap in the uh, Christmas break before going into the Niagara matchup. Q's now 5-5. Five and five on the season, and certainly uh, plenty to talk about related to the game Saturday and what is ahead. Palui Scabilia is on the uh, board today, and for Tommy, hello, Palui. Hi. I'm uh, getting you? used to this uh, yeah, contraption yeah, in front of me again. A lot of Work, buttons there. Working my way back into just it. Just keep it to a minimum. Okay? Sending you guys a program feed. Just try to keep it simple. Mm, as long as it's on, <laughs> I think right. we're good. Brian's here. Yeah, red buttons tend to be good. The light means it's on. Right. Right, that's that's what we're trying to do for the most part. We could always back off. Let's start with it on, and you know we could tend to go from there. We could not feed things if need be, but let's make sure that it's on so that the people can hear it. Hiya to those that are uh, watching on uh, twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. You can take uh, Twitch with you wherever you go. Well, nice uh, app there on your phone, your iPad, your laptop, your big TV, whatever it is that you want to do. Wouldn't kill us, would it, to maybe get that big TV with Twitch on it? You know, you know, you know anybody that's like in charge. There is a TV right there, so mm. instead of us, we're not asking the board up. We're asking the uh, program director. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, why don't you get him while you're at it? All right, I'll uh, see if I can find yeah, him. Let in him the, know in the commercial break and yeah. let him know. So, you know, the, the interactivity could be right up there on that that screen there, and we could uh, we could talk with the people. Uh, you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to join us by phone, you can do that. Remember phones, don't you? You might even have one in your pocket. 315-437-7644 ESPN44. We've got a round of mean tweets coming up. Reaction to the uh, Syracuse basketball game, the loss Saturday at uh, Georgetown. Always fun to have uh, folks vent their frustration. We share that. We turn it into radio fodder and have uh, have an enjoyable time with it. The uh, net rankings came out. That's uh, one of the ingredients used to size up the NCAA tournament field. And I think it's apparent at this point that the Orange are not a tournament team at the moment. And as I always say, all of these people who do their brackets, well, if the tournament started today, it's not going to start today. There's a 0.0 chance that just spontaneously March Madness is going to erupt today. They call it March Madness for a reason. Chiefly that it's in March. It's always in March, whether it's mad or not. That'll be a more aggressive leap year than normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom right to March. So there's a, a long way to go, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. This uh, Syracuse basketball team obviously has a great deal of room for improvement, and 
I thought it was an exciting game uh, Saturday, but uh, it was one that hinged in the end of the first half. We'll talk about that here in a second. And uh, it dropped the Orange to 5-5 five and five on the season. So now that they got to get going. Uh, three non-conference games they'll be heavily favored in in succession here the rest of this month. And then the first half of the ACC schedule is going to allow you potentially to make up some ground and, and log away wins, but they're going to have to play better than they have uh, so far. So we'll put uh, basketball aside just for a moment and get into that uh, in our next segment with some mean tweets and, and some other things. One thing I would say about that is that end of the first half stretch. The game is tied at 34. Syracuse comes down. There's a dribble handoff from Marek Dolajai to Elijah Hughes. Hughes hits the three. On that play, not only is the three waved off, Dolajai picks up his third foul. Georgetown closes the half on a 14-2 run. That's the game. Uh, the game Outside of that stretch, the game was played even both before and after. Uh, that was the entire game. And as you pointed out, Brian, in discussing it, then it's not a 14-2 run. It is a uh, 14 to negative, negative one. one. Yeah, <laughs> it just felt it felt like worse. I mean, not the basket doesn't count, and Elijah Elijah was going to hit whatever shot he took at that point in the game. He was scalding at that point. Then the foul on Merrick. I mean, we can. It's easy to complain about the refs, but you're calling like an inch, maybe moving screen that didn't actually free him up for the shot. Like he'd already gotten free for the shot. That's a guy's third foul when you're a veteran ref at that stage of the game. And then it completely changed the game. I mean, I don't know. Who knows if Dolajai would have somehow defended that entire run by himself down the stretch. But for whatever reason, him on the bench for those three and a half minutes completely changed the ballgame. Yeah, and here's my thing on that. I'm not one who rips referees. I'm not blaming that loss on officiating. Uh, There were a lot of reasons that they lost the game apart from that. The free throw discrepancy was out of whack. There's nothing in the rule book that says both teams have to shoot the same number of free throws. Etc. I do think that Dolajai in particular got hammered about three times in a row on made shots that could have been and ones, didn't get those, and then he got called for kind of a cheapy. My only observation on the officiating would be, and it was three veteran officials, it's three guys that you could, you either have or will see in the Final Four someday. Roger Ayers works every major game on the planet. And he's universally known as yeah. the best one. Yeah, he's, he is absolutely, certainly east of the Mississippi, is thought to be the best official in college basketball. Michael Stevens works all the best Big East games, uh, plenty of ACC games, and John Gaffney, uh, same story. He of, of the three would be just the, the slightest step back in terms of you know the way they're known and, and perceived around the league. I just felt like that game, those guys stepping on the floor, absolutely number one, they knew that Georgetown had only seven scholarship players. They weren't going to foul out any of their guys, probably. But... The thing that caught me and I think is fair criticism of the officials on that day, I thought there was some stuff called that maybe is let go if Syracuse-Georgetown is what we perceive Syracuse-Georgetown to be. Certainly in the 80s and 90s and the heyday and all the video and all those things that you're thinking about, there was a whole lot rougher going on than was permitted to happen Saturday. So I thought there were two or three of the cheap fouls, all that stuff on the Syracuse bench, I mean, I think a lot of that is overlooked. I still haven't seen a decent video of whatever the Jalen Carey trip was. I mean, that's just what made that bizarre. I mean, he got uh, you know ejected from a game that he wasn't in, and he's not going to be in any of the next several games either. I saw a little clip of it. It was hard to hard to tell exactly shot, what was, was going on. A weird angle. I couldn't really 
see what was happening, but the, the Georgetown guy wasn't happy. I know that. No, that's for sure. And and Buddy Beheim wasn't happy about the initiation of the contact there in tight quarters. And that's what happens when you've got you know the sidelines and the benches are, are right there. There's a lot of people in, in a short area, and Buddy was trying to hit a three and not a lot of real estate. Uh, so we'll get back to the basketball game in just a bit. A couple of quick hitters. The Bills yesterday won their 10th of the season, uh, knocking off uh, Palui's uh, Steelers. And so the Bills are in the playoffs, in the tournament, as they say, and uh, they got a nice little package there. Uh, the Bills, I think I just saw this tweet go past. They just tweeted out a, uh, a an old uh, duck hunt gif of the duck like getting shut down after they uh, knocked off Duck Hodges last night. But uh, good for them. This is two playoffs in three years for Sean McDermott. And really different team from two years ago. I mean, they cleaned house. after They made the playoffs for the first time in it felt like decades, and it was, I think, legitimately 15 years. And they said, well, that's not going to work. Right. What? You've had one good season in With a new years. coach and everything. Yeah, and you new th- coach, and I guess that's the reason they were able to pull it off. They knew that they had some job security there, and they cleaned house down here last year, but, you know, is Josh Allen the best guy in the league? No, but game-winning drive, beautiful throw on the game-winning touchdown, and they're in the playoffs, and more likely than not are going to be uh, hitting the road for at least Houston, as it sets up right now, and what's a quasi-compelling first-round game for the Bills. Yeah, great for them and happy for their fans. Obviously, this is Bills country here, Bills and Giants, and uh, it's not in my makeup to show up at the airport at 2 a.m. on a Sunday night into Monday morning to maybe get a glimpse of a plane arriving and wave, but Bills fans do that, and uh, teams with that uh, fan base with that level of uh, dedication deserve to see their team in the playoffs once in a while, and so the Bills are there. Good for them. Uh, there was another GIF I saw going around yesterday. Anything SpongeBob has ever done has been turned into a GIF or has been edited into a One different GIF. One of my GIF. many pop culture blind spots. And but the you know I don't think you need to know the show to to understand the the GIFs of uh, SpongeBob was always up to something. But I mean the Bills always play at one o'clock. Almost always the Bills are at one o'clock Sunday CBS and you know that night game. So there's a GIF of SpongeBob sitting in like an empty room. With a Bills head on it, just like a Labatt 12 plaque on the table. Like, what do we do now? You're right. You're right about that. They so rarely play in the uh, primetime games. Or even the 430 game. They're yeah. not getting that either. No, the Steelers do so regularly. I have to monitor whether or not the Bills are on our sister station. At 1 o'clock, I turned on our sister station oh, and no. there was music playing and I had a heart attack. <laughs> I was like, oh, 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 what's going on? The Bills may sure probably don't. want to shout. Yeah, the Bills... Uh, Bill's getting some prime time. They got a flex to a Saturday, too, so they're big time now. This coming week, yeah, Saturday against the Patriots. Uh, We may uh, chat about that a little bit uh, later in the week on the show. Okay, brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. Just got an email from the Hoffman Company, Brian. We've been joking about this, but they are serious. A Christmas package? Uh, Not just the packages, which are obviously available, but the Christmas recipes. Okay, so they're they're working... uh, Obviously, the pigs in the blanket, you can see there. That's a no-brainer. That's that's a no-brainer. But the various recipes of casseroles. Casserole. Yeah, your, uh, your jalapeno situation with the, the special sausage there. So uh, we may have to investigate these. That's your Hoffman breakfast casserole. Uh, Start the day. Yeah, potato salad with the Hoffman product. Hoffman jalapeno cheddar queso. That says Super Bowl to me. 
I'd say I don't yeah. know if that sounds uh, holiday season, but no. uh, within the next two months, you can take advantage. Hoffman kielbasa mac and cheese, which clearly indicates somebody had too much time on their hands, but uh, all worth feel a like shot. I, like this is a New Year's Day football game, maybe situation. You don't yes. have to wait till the Super Bowl. That's right. But maybe maybe kick I'm, it a I may, day or two past Christmas. <laughs> I may dry run it. Yeah, dry run it for the bowl season. There you go. All right, that's uh, Hoffman taste tells. When we come back, some mean tweets, a little reaction to uh, our reaction from the uh, Syracuse basketball game on Saturday. It's when we return in the booth on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. In the booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Welcome back in the booth. It is indeed brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company, born in Germany, raised in Syracuse. Orange falling uh, by 10 to uh, Georgetown Saturday. In D.C., a lot of folks uh, from this area went down to uh, take part in that one. Turned out to be a pretty good crowd for one that uh, didn't start out uh, packed early, but uh, filled in as the game went on. Exciting game that uh, hinged, as we mentioned, uh, near the end of the first half. A 14-2 Georgetown run got them the lead that they basically did not give up, although the Orange uh, brought it to within single digits a couple of times in the second half. 11 three-pointers made uh, for the Hoyas, one of the key figures, and so after the game, Coach Beheim told us this. We just gave up too many open threes. We really played pretty well on offense. Um, Elijah had a big first half, buddy, second half, but, you know, we couldn't get stops, and a lot of it was threes. I mean, you know, you, they made 11 threes, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it was a lot. They got us on the boards pretty good. Foul line was 31 free throws. That's a lot of free throws to give up, but uh, I we battle. I think we grew up a little bit. This was our best game of the, four, of the five we lost. This was our best game, I thought, in a lot of ways. Uh, I think we're getting better. Still got some work to do. Okay, so as uh, Polly knows and can attest, Polly helps me uh, with it too. I tend to immediately tweet out as best I can a quote. Now at halftime, Coach uh, said so little that it was very easy to include that in my uh, 280 characters. This one I had to truncate a little bit. I did a little dot, dot, dot in there. I actually had a little typo myself, a little fat thumbs. I tried to shorten free throws to FTS, and it was FFS. People were smart enough to understand that he wasn't talking about fast forwarding or french fries. (laughs) But what did I say, Paulie? This is going to get reaction, right? Because he said what? He said, well, of our five losses, this one, you know, showed some progress. And so I knew that that would bring out the Twitter people. Indeed, it did. Makes for a good excuse to bring in our friend Alex and uh, an episode of Mean Tweets. Hello, Alex. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Never been better. Good. Well, we thought we would uh, call upon your uh, skills and expertise here to uh, lend a voice, if you would, to the Twitter reaction to our tweet of Coach Beheim's comments. What'd you get? All right. Well, this is uh, from Rich K, the first one. Every team in America plays man-to-man, even in CYO leagues where my grandson plays. It goes back to my first statement. JB is stuck in the mud. He longer has the players he once had at SU. So you got to find ways to make it happen, and JB looks lost. Okay. The one of the things about the the switching of the defenses is that there's this inherent uh, assumption that zone defense is the wrong defense, or that it's a weak or timid or lazy defense. And I think that's not true. I think they didn't play great defense. They obviously got torched for a lot of threes. Can't defend uh, free throws, but I think. This team would not be better playing man-to-man. That's my feeling on that. Uh, I think here's what you're missing. Uh, Rich K's grandson is locking people down. Oh, probably balling. Just getting right up in it. That's right. So 
why don't they do that? Well, they probably could. I would also say uh, CYO, they're not going to play zone for lots of reasons, not the least of which is that they, it's a team defensive approach. If one person's out of whack in a zone, it doesn't really do any good. And in CYO, getting everybody on the same page, that might be a little difficult. Getting everyone there for the tip time is a little <laughs> difficult sometimes. <laughs> Could really throw off the defensive scheme. Yes, sir. Next? Yes, sir. This is DC Dub. DC Dub. Couldn't stop him. Giving up three after 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 three. And post-its galore. Yet it's considered the best game of the five losses. Why? Because it was under 14 points? But at least we have a ton of retro unis hype. FYI, Rutger won by 20 versus SH. <laughs> that is true. Rutger did win. Rutger, <laughs> Rutger got off to a 12-0 start versus SH and beat them. I don't know what that has to do with anything other than uh, this is sports. Like, unpredictable results happen. If Seton Hall and Rutgers, Rutgers with an S, played repeatedly, Seton Hall would win Probably four out of five. They happen to not win on that day. It's sports. Uh, and post-its. Post-its happen. Mm-hmm. I'm more confused. I think the guy with the name DC Dub would have been rooting for the other team. True. Maybe he was. Exactly. Maybe he was an infiltrator. This is an inside troll job is what it is. And he did like the... There was retro uni hype. I love the retro unis. I did too. I'm still on the hype. They're they look a, great. Yeah, they did. They're a modern version of the old script. I think they're sharp. Really popped on TV. And I'd be uh, I'd be fine with those being the regular uniforms. I understand why they're not, but I think it'd be kind of cool. But they did give up three after three after three. That's true. And that was a problem. <laughs> it was a problem. <laughs> if there was only maybe seven of those. I think he story. listed all 11. I think he did. He made, a point. he made the best use of the 280 characters. That was fine work. What else you got? At Steelers Matthew. Best loss was allowing Georgetown to torch them for 89 points. Didn't we used to be Syracuse basketball? <laughs> That's a great line, actually. <laughs> uh, I think what people are misunderstanding on that is that, uh, you know, it does sound odd, obviously. And first of all, it was the only game all year that for or against that had been decided by fewer than 14 points. It still was 10. So there hasn't really been a truly close game at the end uh, this year. Coach Beheim's not using the scoreboard specifically in terms of the actual literal margin of victory when he's talking about best performance and the fact that they have five losses to choose from is really is the real issue. But uh, he he can be accurate in what he says that he there was the one he felt best of and it not necessarily be doing backflips over it being a, a ten point margin. Well, the other four losses, I don't think anyone felt like Syracuse could have won the game in the last 10 minutes of any of them. No. In the Georgetown game, you're kicking yourself for the things that didn't go right with the giving up the threes or the last three minutes of the first half. Like, you look back at any of those games in New York, the Virginia game, whatever, it's not like, well, if this one thing had changed with the Georgetown, it was, man, if they had guarded the three-point line a little better, they win the game. Or if the last three minutes of the first half goes different, they win the game. So I think that's where Coach Beheim's coming from. Bluey. The... Uh... Guy said, aren't we Syracuse basketball? I brought this up earlier, and I want to get your guys' take on this. North Carolina's lost four games already. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you think Roy Williams is stuck in the mud? Is the fan base there saying he's stuck in the mud and the game's passed him by, and weren't we once the Tar Heels? <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, one month does not your program make, right? They're not less North Carolina. They've had some injuries and some other extenuating circumstances in their deal. The whole thing... Thing. I mean, what is what is Syracuse basketball? What is Kansas basketball? What it comes with the ups and downs that are 
are part of it. It is part of your history, your brand, your tradition, whatever phrase you want to use. And this team obviously is going through a rough patch of, of 10 games to start the season. And Syracuse fans have been lucky. There hasn't been a down, really. Well, the and, downs are NIT seasons or you know, knocked I mean, out of the first round of the Duke, tournament or being upset by Dayton. Or those Duke's had a horrendous season. North Carolina's had some horrendous yeah. seasons in my lifetime. Not Syracuse. NIT's not that bad. Not a single losing season for Coach yeah. Baham. Not yeah. one. Not ever. <laughs> like, that's pretty good. Like, you talk about, oh, what's the... Are you selling stocks or whatever? The long-term performance of this stock. Well... It's a 44-year blue chipper. Like That's a pretty good spot to be in when you're investing. That's right. All right, Alex, what's the next one? From B-Dog. B-Dog. At BXQs96. None of our losses have been close. It doesn't seem we're getting better. <laughs> you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to say. Like I think what are the signs that you're looking for for better? And I think these next, you know, the next three games, they should win all three of those. And then you go into conference play, and let's – See what types of results you've got. You've got a one-on-one uh, record right now. I think to see, you're looking for the individual development. To me, what I would have seen to get better, Brian, is more answers beyond really the two and a half or three scores they have now, which is you know Elijah Hughes, Buddy Bayham, and, and Joe Girard. They need something obviously out of uh, the interior positions, particularly at center. And that's what's interesting because the team's actually been scoring without significant amounts of options to do the scoring. Mm-hmm. So it's okay, is the offense the problem when it's really, at least recently, the defense is not up to the recent standards uh, of the program. So it's a more interesting watch in many ways than the last few years when it was just grinders and you hoped that maybe Tyus Battle could make a bucket in the last minute and you win or or lose the game. And obviously the Orange won their fair share. But the defense, and they were talking about this on Orange Nation when I was driving in, the defense at least feels like during the year maybe more fixable. Like offensively, you need some guys with some innate talent to put the ball in the bucket. And Syracuse scored seventy nine points the other day. Defense, you got guys that are putting in the effort, and they're just I don't know they're pointed in the wrong direction or something. <laughs> so hopefully that gets can be solved by coaching and effort as the season goes on. And if not up to the level of you know two years ago when that defense got them to the Sweet Sixteen, that at least it's something that can allow. The offense on its good days, and I think Saturday was a pretty good day on offense to have a chance to win these games. Well, you scored almost 80 points. Now, obviously, when the other team's scoring a lot, there's more possessions and, and all of that, too. My concern would be, do you need Elijah Hughes and Buddy Beheim to have basically career days to be in it? And it's not even a matter of being in it, really. When you think about it, the last two games, the first one Saturday against uh, Georgia Tech was not competitive at all in the other direction. It was a blowout. It was over 10 minutes in. And then the... Georgetown game I thought was close and competitive uh, throughout, but it didn't come down to the final basket. So, um, but they still need a lot of firepower there. It needed Elijah Hughes to be red hot in the first half and Buddy red hot in the in the second half. So, let's see what they are when things kind of settle down to normal. We're just now getting to the period of if you say it's going to take the first ten, twelve games to get a handle uh, for where the team is right now. Well, they've played ten. They've got the three more um, non-conference games here again with teams. We talked about the net rankings. The upcoming net rankings here of the teams to follow. Oakland 173, North Florida 209, Niagara 309. So these all should be uh, pretty easy wins in the Dome. If anything comes easily this year, I guess we'll find that out. Any more there, Ox? Yeah, this one's from MC Bang Stables. Yes, one of my favorites. Great. It was our best loss. This is where the state of program is. From big rat power to a feeble ACC team that can't beat mid-pack teams from other conferences. 
And the excuses were young. Guess what? Everyone's young. That's not true. But uh, the big rat power, R-A-D-T, is what he was uh, working with there. The young, the young thing to me is not an excuse. I think it is, it is a reason. This team is quantifiably younger than most of the teams that it's lining up against. It has to have a factor. So somebody like a Quincy Garrier who doesn't look like he's doing his part. I mean, Garrier's in the game three seconds the other day and he's got two fouls. Mm-hmm. Hardly breaks a sweat. He's out. So he was basically a non-factor. Bryson Goodine didn't get on the floor. So the young players aren't even generally aren't even contributing. If you're saying, well, the players that they're that are in the game are older, yeah, well, no, no kidding. It's because the younger ones right now are not even put into uh position where they're much of uh, contributors at this stage. Uh, here's where I'm at. Our, our guy MC Bangstables yeah, or McBangstables or however you want to pronounce he, he it. He didn't have any capital letters in there, so we're kind of interpreting. But Well, I, I think we got to the stables part. His avatar was literally a picture of horse stables. Well, so I think that's where he's swinging them hot beats. So, so it's either MC Bangstables or McBangstables. But clearly stables based on the horse, okay. seemed to be by itself. Okay, yeah. So I think we've gotten to the bottom of that. But yeah, the, a team, quality handle, though. the team's young. And in theory, now people are like, well, why aren't they getting any better? Well, the team is young, which in theory should leave them room to get actually get better during the year. Like It would be a problem if these were all juniors and seniors playing like this. Then you're like, how are they going to get better? Well, they're probably not. And then we just go home. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Well, you got a bunch of freshmen like, yeah, Bryson Goodeye didn't play at all. Well, maybe he can be playing a little bit by mid-February and doing something. Like, everyone thinks he's got talent. He's got talent. He wouldn't be here if he didn't have potential. He's 6'5". He could shoot. We saw, I mean, I realize this is no defense, whatever, but at the Orange versus White scrimmage, he won the three-point shootout. Like, the guy can take the ball and shoot it into the basket. Now, he didn't play at all last game, but who's to say he can't provide some of that before the end of the season? Or that Joe Girard, now we see he can shoot, like, he'll score. Well, what if he learns how to be a little bit better on defense and compensate for not being as tall as some other guys by the end of the season? That's legitimate stuff that freshmen can learn in like this month of the year. That if you had a junior in those positions and you were five and five, you'd say, "Uh oh, right." Like, what's the point now? But okay, these guys can get better by the end of the year. Will they? I have no idea. But I think the chances of it are higher when you've got younger guys struggling of actually learning how to get better because they've never been through it before. Then if you had an older guy struggling that had never shown skills to be good and say, okay, now, great, you figure it out. Yeah, I think where's the room for improvement right now? It, it is on the def- – well, there's room for improvement on both ends. The, the idea that, oh, they're completely inept and can't score, that everybody thought off the Virginia game, you know, that's probably not true. Everybody looks bad against uh, Virginia, and they're not as bad as they looked that day. They're not as good as they looked against uh, Georgia Tech or Bucknell. The uh, the truth is, is somewhere in the middle, and we'll see how that shakes out the – Stopping of the ball, getting into the high post, the guard play, uh, Gerard Beheim. We look to see that uh, improve defensively, and obviously on the offensive end would be uh, really both ends of the floor uh, impact uh, from the center. We got to see if that uh, that improves. There's one bonus one we threw in there though, Alex. Yep. this is a great find from at Orange Fan 2013, December 14th. Listen to the Atcus MBB game on the radio today for the first time since I was traveling. At Matt Park 1 is really great at what he does. Must have been tuned into the wrong thing. Right, Pally? This guy's got to be a I genius, I think I though. make you sound great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was uh, so taken aback by the compliment, and and, uh, and thank you, friend, but I figured 
this guy's got to have other great things to say, right? And sure enough, also from, other other wisdom. Also from at Orange Fan twenty thirteen, it's twelve fifteen on twelve fifteen. <laughs> I mean, points out the time. Why not? You, you know, that's good stuff. Good stuff. Cheez Its are addicting. Who's arguing that? Agreed. Right. This guy could. This could Two be my new three, religion. Man. <laughs> Red zone split screen has to chill out. One screen is always in timeout or something. WTF. <laughs> I love it. Huh? Red Zone, TB Crack. Chill out. Good stuff. He was eating Cheez-Its with nothing to watch. He's a soothsayer. Yeah, well, you get those that big box of Cheez-Its ready to lock in. You want to enjoy some Red Zone, some Syracuse basketball? I'm right there with them, though. Cheez-Its are, that's a quality snack. All different kinds of. They got a whole bowl flavors. game now. Yeah. yeah, they got a bowl game. They got flavors. Thank you, Alex. We appreciate it. Alex Kahn, everybody. Good job with the... Uh, Outstanding work on the mean tweets. Keep them coming, folks. We love the reaction. Makes for good fodder here. Good, good little back and forth interactivity. That's what they like in the programming. You ever gotten a mean tweet directed at you? Like, uh, uh, yeah, probably somewhere like, one, hey, Bozo. This or, guy stinks at his job. Yeah, I'm probably trying to think. I'm sure I have. <laughs> we need to find those. It's probably the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's on something. <laughs> <laughs> probably before he found Cheez-Its. You know, he probably got his Cheez-Its and, and calm down. All right, we're back with uh, more. We'll do Do We Care on the other side. Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. If you'd like to join us there, if you'd like to say how much we stink on there, you can do it. That's another platform for you. That's what we're here, here to do in the booth on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. In the booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Great to have you back with us on a Monday. Sometimes it didn't really feel like a Monday today for some reason, but uh, it is indeed, and we'll have plenty more over the course of the week. No show on Friday. Brian's on the road with the women's basketball team from uh, Wednesday on. Got a game Friday, right? Uh, 1.30 tip time down just outside Orlando against Michigan State. Okay, and uh, West Virginia, right, also on that trip? Uh, that is Sunday also at 1.30. They are two of the five of the next six games, all against ranked teams, Okay, with the non-ranked team being Notre Dame. So that gets easier. Yeah, right. Well, let's uh, head to the phone. John in Syracuse was very patient. We appreciate that, John. Thanks for uh, waiting. And uh, go ahead. What do you have? Hi. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? Good. Uh, I had two questions. One's on college football. One's on college basketball. Uh, it just seems like the four, they, they invited four people to New York for the Heisman Trophy. Has there ever been a school other than Ohio State that had Two of the four going to New York for the finals of the Heisman Trophy? That is a great question. Um, I would imagine the answer to that is yes, although nobody comes to the top of mind. I kind of I didn't know who they were inviting this year because it's just was considered to be such a slam dunk that Joe Burrow was winning. And then when they I was getting ready to go leave the hotel for the football, for the basketball game Saturday and I saw them interviewing the two Ohio State guys at the same time they're in New York. And, you know, the Chase Young, you know, no defensive players ever won it. No defensive players going to win it. Uh, I guess never say never. They'll probably do, do something to change it around at some point. But so it, it feels like they're there just out of courtesy. Um, you know, no recent – I don't think any of these recent Alabama years – USC, Fine. maybe when they were really loaded. It's a great USC question. USC must have, um, the year Reggie Bush uh, didn't win the Heisman, or whoever won it first at a Bush or a Liner, the other one won it the next year, and the one who had won it was still there. 
So they must have both well, been finalists. What's, what, okay. what's, other, what, what's mind-boggling on top of that, the person that finished sixth in the voting was J.T. Dobbins, the running back at Ohio <laughs> State. They had, had three talent? of the top six yeah. vote-getters. That's that, incredible. That's, that's incredible. The yeah. guy who I mean, won it was at their school. Right, and, and that's right. And then uh, Joe Burrow transferred out of there to be there. I mean, right. obviously Ohio State can recruit. You know, the very top tier, Ohio State and Alabama and LSU and whatever, can recruit at an entirely different level. They, they get they get the cream of the crop. But, you know, to think that all these quarterbacks that were at Georgia or, you know, transferred out to, to various places and, and have been able to impact uh, other programs. Uh, you know, Burrow's winning it is great. I, the other discussion topic on that one is that a few people left Burrow off the ballot, something like 4.5%. He wasn't even in the top three, which is ridiculous. There's way too many Heisman voters. There's something like 900 voters in the Heisman. There's no need for it anymore. Uh, so that that would I'd like to see that one revamped, but at the end of the day, the right guy won. Big deal. Yeah, but it's just uh, still to show the incredible amount of five-star players at schools like Ohio State and yes. Bama. In. I mean, two years ago, the top 10 high school defensive players in the entire country, they listed them, and seven out of the 10 went to Ohio State two years ago. <laughs> right. That's just, just simply mind-boggling, that the amount of talent they get, and we get excited if we sign one three-star player. Yeah, not not three-star. Every every player Syracuse gets is going to be a three-star, but it, they're not getting a lot of five-stars, you know. But, right. Um, you know, so that that's it's just different. I mean, recruiting is a rich get richer enterprise, and and certainly Ohio State and Alabama are first in line. Yeah. What was the, your uh, basketball question? The, well, I know we're playing Niagara next week, and I know Beeline left the loin and took the job, and then he resigned a couple weeks later. Doesn't that seem awful strange? That it seems like nothing has ever been said or questioned about that. I would say Google it, John. <laughs> okay. That's all I need. You, you got it. Yep. And uh, you know, that, I, I, it's out there. It's been reported. I'm not going to crush. I don't know enough about it to get into the Beeline family business, other than to say, you know, that's a a family that is has been held at a high level in our community. They love our community. Pat grew up here. Went to uh, ESM. You know, th- through his younger years. I don't think high school. Wound up going to high school in Richmond by then uh, because that's where John Beeline was was coaching. They're good people. He obviously got sideways here, and you can read more of it on your own. And the other thing it does, it results in the first head coaching job for another person that we should be proud of as a community, and that's Greg Paulus. And uh, so that's kind of the way we're we're looking at it here, and uh, they will be in on December 28th. Let's get a break out of the way here. Back, uh, we can chat with some of the uh, Twitch folks in the interim. Back to wrap the show in just a moment in the booth on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care. Well, gentlemen, it appears the Heat are reportedly determined to move on from former Syracuse player Dion Waiters. That's it? Yep, they're determined to move so, so, on from him, seeing that he's been out partying. Well, that would boats. be the suspension. Yeah, I think that's the news of the day, right? Is that they have, uh, they were objecting, I think, to this. The most recent, they were they were being generic when it came to 
the reason for the latest suspension, insubordination, et cetera. But he apparently uh, called in sick to some degree and then wound up tweeting or Instagramming a picture of himself on a boat. That's why when I was younger, I liked the fact that I could call in sick and go to Green Lakes and there was no Instagram to post a picture on. I was hoping he was going to do that though. bowling with Le'Veon Bell. Right. Yeah, could have been. See, Le'Veon had a career high in that yeah, bowling game. <laughs> he had his Jordan the flu, flu game. Game. That's pretty good. Flew flu 10 frames, 252. I think the rest of the league is determined to not help Miami move on from Dion Waiters. Right. Yeah, they'd have to be trading for him. Well, this sounds like one of those uh, trades where like, oh, here's cheap. Dion and our first round picks. Right, right. In shocking news, shocking, I say, the Oakland Raiders fans flipped out following their loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars in their final game in Oakland, throwing trash and refusing to leave the stadium. That's very predictable, as your tone would suggest. Last game, hanging on, not wanting to leave, throw a temper tantrum, want to take some sort of momentous. The problem is it's not like Archibald Stadium where everybody started taking it apart 100 years ago when, <laughs> when it came down and, and people were, hey, you're helping us in the... Uh, the renovation. Um, go ahead and take it. Take in the terms of uh, the destruction of the property. The Oakland A's are still playing there, so you can't really take stuff. Is Billy Bean standing there? Hang on a second. <laughs> it's the bullpen. We I, need that. They take stuff every game. I'm guessing whether it's their first or last. Yeah. And Babe Ruth's bat for his 500th home run fetched more than a million dollars at auction. He apparently notches in it. He apparently gave the bat to a friend seventy-five years ago and was hidden in this guy's closet. As in, they didn't know it, or they were stowing it away, and they yeah, were. He just kept it there and uh, opportunity to sell it. It was found and sold. To, I mean, obviously the bat he used to swing like a tree trunk. I mean, forty-eight ounces or some ridiculous thing. But then, I like when you go to Cooperstown and you can see. He'd put the home run notches. You know, now guys don't use a bat for more than a week, probably. Right. He, he would have one for the whole, see, a large part of the season. He'd have 20, 30, 40 home run notches in the, uh, in the logo. The family had it hidden and said it was more of a burden than a, a treat to have because they didn't want anybody to know they had it, and it was hidden in the closet, and they finally just said, let's sell it. That's a shame. Out of light, I had really to help to preserve it, it right? <laughs> the, the arch- archivists would like that. Babe Ruth's birthday, uh, February 6th. Same Ryan's spot. Birthday. So we, we share it. I think his was 1896, though, so he, he started sooner. He's got more home runs. There you go. All right, guys, back with more of this great stuff tomorrow. <laughs> Can't wait for it. 2 o'clock. Paluli will be it's here. to be back. We'll be back on uh, twitch.tv and in the booth. Good to see everybody. Tomorrow's another day.